right. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aspiring Adult Podcast. And this week, I am going to go and see the Barbie movie. And I'm very excited about it. And I'm largely, in part, excited because I love pink, the color, also the artist. Pink is a phenomenal artist. The second reason is because I love Margot Robbie. The third reason is because Barbie movies are actually the best. So when I was younger, there was The Princess and the Popper was my all-time favorite Barbie movie. Anyways, uh, um, so last week on the podcast, I know I, t- I talked about three different kinds of relationships. Karmic relationships, soulmate relationships, and twin flame relationships. And I said that this week I was going to be talking about relationships that are a little bit more negative in nature and how to navigate those or what navigating those looks like. Start off this podcast by telling a story of when I was younger. And it has really kind of set the precedent for how I look at relationships going forward. My mom asked if I wanted to have a Girl Scout event at our house. And I was so excited because this was going to be one of the first time that my school friends were being intertwined with my Girl Scout friends and they were all coming to my house. So it was like one of those mashup episodes on Disney Channel, you know, when like the sweet life of Zach and Cody met Hannah Montana and they did a cool mashup episode and it was really exciting because you're like, wait, you're both from Disney Channel, but you're from separate episodes. It's like that, but with my own personal life. So I was having a mashup episode of my friend groups, of my friends from school, and then my friends from Girl Scouts, and they were all coming to my house, which was a zone that I typically did not invite many people to. And I remember one of my friends, let's call her Lucy. I was so excited because my school friend Lucy was gonna be meeting all of my Girl Scout friends and also coming to my house for the first time. Everyone's downstairs, we're all hanging out and we are working on nationalities or understanding different cultures or something along those lines. So we're all drawing different countries flags. And I started drawing the United States of America flag because that's the country that I was assigned. And my friend Lucy kept saying that I was doing it wrong and that it looked bad and that I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, oh, thanks, Lucy. Like, thanks for letting me know. And and I'll, I'll make it better. I didn't think anything of this interaction with Lucy. Lucy was upset that I was talking to other people. And so she kind of voiced that to me without me really realizing that was an issue. And Anytime that I would try and walk over to other people, she would either pretend to be hurt or pretend to be needing help with something. And I didn't understand at the time that I was being manipulated, but that's beside the point. Um, And after everyone left, so the party went on, we all made our flags, we all talked about them, we presented them, we ate cake, we ate pizza, whatever you do at Girl Scout events. I don't really remember this portion of the story, but not important. So after everybody had a good time and left, my mom, I asked my mom, I was like, so what did you think of Lucy? Did you love her? And she's like, no, she was not kind to you. Do you not realize that she's not kind to you? I was like, what do you... 
what do you mean? And she started pointing out all of the things that she was doing, that she was negatively commenting on the flag that I was drawing, negatively acting towards me when I was going to hang out with other people, constantly constantly manipulating me into only hanging out with her and not giving anybody else any of my attention. And I kind of thought to my, I don't know, how old are you in first grade, six years old? Kind of thought to my six-year-old self and thought, how could I have not noticed this? How do I like Lucy then if you're saying that there's all of these things that she's doing that aren't nice, but I think that she's nice. So that kind of opened my eyes into the ability to have relationships with friends or the ability to have friendships that you think are serving towards you, but kind of deep down know instinctually that they're not and it's a little bit more obvious to some people so in this instance with my mom and Lucy my mom could clearly see that Lucy was not the friend that I thought she was and I also like to point out I never understood parents just know they know when you bring someone home from school that you're really excited about them to meet you're really excited you're really excited for them to meet and you introduce them to them and then they leave and your parents are not impressed and they no longer want you to be friends with them they're like ah that person was kind of a mean girl or that person seems like a liar or that it was always so wild to me that how can my parents make an assessment of an individual that they spent only four hours with yet I see this person every single day How am I not the one that's making this realization? How am I not the one that knows that this person is a liar or that this person is a mean girl? How are these things that I'm not able to determine? And that's largely because we choose to avoid that because it's a difficult thing to assess, right? So, and this goes back to my previous episode where I talk about things being so crystal clear, so black and white, and making so much perfect sense. There are friendships that you can have where someone is extremely nice to you, but doesn't treat you or serve you the way that you want. Similarly, that can be true. And I want to start off with friendships because the friendships are the easiest one for you to control. And that makes sense because with a friendship, you get to decide whether or not you want to be friends with an individual anymore. So I always was amazed by the fact that my parents were able to be a better judge of character than I was of a person. And now being older, I now realize that little kids are not as sly as they think that they are. And it's a lot easier just based on life experience to assess when someone is a mean girl or when someone is lying at a young age. It's it's kind of pathetic how easy it is to spot that. But when you're young, you don't realize it and you don't realize it's a whole naive aspect of it. And so as you get older, you start to realize who you start to realize who would be a valuable friend versus who wouldn't be a valuable friend. If you instill these young relationships 
or these young friendships in yourself that that's what you're going to accept, it's difficult to change what you accept as an adult. So I grew up very, very fortunate in the sense that I had very close friends all throughout elementary school, all throughout high school, or middle school, all throughout high school, and then again in college. My entire life, I've played sports, and even as an adult, I still play some form of sports, whether it's a beer league, even though I don't drink, um, or it's just some recreation that I do for, for fun with my friends, whether it's tennis or whether it's pickleball or pickup volleyball or whatever these pickup games are. I've played sports my whole life and I found that people that are in a team oriented mindset are just more apt to make friends. And that's how I made my very best friends in elementary school and middle school and high school. And then oddly enough, I wasn't on a team in college, actually. I didn't really play any sports. I did boxing, but that's not how I met my best friends. I met my best friends. I actually met my college best friends from my sorority. But anyways, I guess you could consider that a team-oriented. So the friends that I made in elementary school were from my softball team, and we spent every waking moment together. Because not not only did we play softball together, we decided we were all going to play volleyball together. So we played two sports in two different seasons and spent virtually all of our free time together. And that meant that we spent all of our free time with their parents as well because they would take them to sporting practices or they would take them to games or they would drive us to and from events. And so I became very, very close with the friends of my parents as well. And I became very close friends with my friends' parents as well. And I was spending a lot of time with my friends' parents and with my friends. And it just felt like we were all one collective family. And we eventually ended up calling ourselves the Fab Five. I don't think that really anybody else called us that besides for our parents in our friend group. But we were close very close. And some people made fun of us for that. And it was a thing that I really didn't understand because I'd rather have four close friends than 50 friends that treat me like I'm disposable. And because I had this connect these connections with these girls so early on, it's kind of a blessing but also a curse because I have very high expectations for my friendships now. So when I was growing up, I could rely on these girls to do everything. I could text them in the middle of the day that I needed something and they would help get it to me. Let me give another example. So unfortunately for me, I was the throw-up girl in elementary school and even during the beginning of middle school. I used to throw up all of the time. It's like an embarrassing amount. Like, you know those kids that were in your class that were chronically throwing up and you're like, ew, what is wrong with this kid? That was me. I was the one that was throwing up. And no, we never figured out really why it... I don't know why it was happening, but I was throwing up all of the time and my dad couldn't always come and pick me up. 
So I had to have my friend's parents pick me up. And because I was so close to my friends and so close to my friend's parents, this was a non-issue. This was a non-problem. So I became so close to them that on your emergency medical contact form that you fill out and give to your school, I put my dad's contact name and then I put my friend's mom's name. Because that's, number one, how frequently I was throwing up that I needed to get picked up by my friend's mom. And, but yeah, so I was a throw-up girl, and my friend's mom was chronically coming to pick me up. So this woman was basically like a mother to me. And she was so much so like a mother that there was a point in time where she was cooking all of my dinners for my family. And she would grocery shop for us, or, I don't think I want to say that. I don't think I want to say that. So, she was virtually, she was a mother figure to me. And she would always take care of me, drop everything to make sure that I'm okay. And... So would the other moms. Just like the girls, the moms would be there at my beck and call too. As if they were my own mom. This may seem like a very silly thing to say, but I would spend all of my time with one of my friends and she would let me wear all of her clothes and she would invite me to eat all of her food and hang out with her all day. We were inseparable. We were basically like sisters. And we were just chronically with each other. We never got sick of each other. We were respectful. We cared about our girlfriends, but we also cared about their parents. And I think because there was such a strong emphasis in almost that family nature, that there was so much mutual respect involved with what was going on, because our friends' parents knew exactly what we were doing all of the time. They knew that we were hard workers at school. They knew that we were hard workers after school because we were in all these sports. And they were proud of us. And they voiced that. And it was a very, very healthy dynamic. And the only part of it that was unhealthy is that there were spectators of our friendship thinking that it was weird. I was having a sleepover and everyone was in my basement and we were eating pizza, singing karaoke, painting each other's toenails. You know, the classic usual mix for a 2010 sleepover. And then we decided to get on Facebook on our iPod touches as girls do. And so we got on Facebook and... One of our friends was posting a like for TBH. And so obviously I went and liked it. And she said, TBH or TBH, it's really weird that you only hang out with four girls. And I was like, why? You, you never ask me to hang out. You're not that nice to me. Your, your family is not my family. Like, why would I want, what? Why are you being mean? And 
right then and there, I didn't realize that what we had was so abnormal that people didn't experience friendship in the same way that we did. And unfortunately, as we grew up, we grew apart. And so when we went to college, or when some of us went to college, because three of us were in the year ahead of me, and then one of my other friends, or one of the other girls in the group was in my grade. As soon as the three older girls went to college, my friend that was in the same grade as me didn't really talk to me that much. And we started going our separate, separate ways. And it was really very upsetting to see because our families just started drifting apart. And even to this day, we're still not as close as we once were. And thinking about it very much so upsets me because I know how close we once were. And for that to just have disappeared over the course of, I don't know, maybe 10 years now is just heartbreaking. But fortunately for me, I did meet friends similar to that in college. And I think, and although it was not in a team environment like softball or volleyball, I will put under the scope that I think a sorority is enough of a team. You have common interests, a common goal. And the common goal is your philanthropy or or whatever project you're serving. So that's the common goal, all right? It's, it's nothing else that's weird. And so you at least have some shared values with these individuals. And then even more so in that niche was my major or my discipline. So I became very, very close friends with people that were in engineering because they just knew what I was going through. They knew the hardships of engineering. And similarly, the girls that were in my sorority that were also in engineering not only knew the hardships of engineering, but knew the hardships of engineering while they were in the sorority. And so that's how we got to bonding. And those girls became my new Fab Five. And we're still inseparable to this date. Inseparable, I say that loosely because we all live states apart except for me and Savina, who she lives a block away from me that unfortunately I'm moving away from. But we all would do anything for one another. And I say that we seriously do. We're the type of friend group that if you say you need something, Let me give you a for instance. The friend group consists of Emma, Kenzie, Savina, and me. So it's the four of us. We all went down to go and visit Emma in Atlanta. And while we were visiting Emma, we met a group of guys. And I ended up getting on really well with one of the guys. And we ended up starting to talk and getting to know each other a bit more. Found out that he was going to a country festival that I was going to the next week. And we met up at the country festival with Emma. And then we decided that we wanted to see each other again. So he came to Boston to visit me. And after he left Boston, it went really well. He asked me to be his girlfriend. And then I decided that I was going to go down and visit him in Atlanta again. So I go down to Atlanta and let me just tell you that 
the relationship moved very fast, which is not rare for me. When I know I like somebody, I don't hesitate in sharing that or expressing that. And the people that I typically attract don't have a problem reciprocating that same energy. And so although, again, this was happening fast, this was not unusual for me. I don't know if it's healthy, but it's how my relationships previously have gone. So I go down to Atlanta to see him and everything was good up until this point. Like I'm on my, or I'm flying down to go see him and I'm really excited. We've been texting, we've been FaceTiming, we've been talking all the time and he had just asked me to be his girlfriend. So it was really high energy and I'm texting that I'm at the airport. He's telling me that he can't wait to see me and then I land. When I land, I call him. I'm like, hey, so I just landed. I'm at the baggage claim if you want to come get me. And he's like, okay, hangs up. Okay, you didn't want to ask like what baggage claim I was at. All right. Um, and then he ends up calling me back. He's like, what baggage claim number are you at? I'm like, oh, I'm at this one. Like, I'm outside. He hangs up again. I'm like, okay, what is going on here? And so he parks his car, gets out, gives me like one of those like side hugs. And I was like, okay, that's really weird. Considering that I'm your girlfriend now, you could probably hug me. I don't know. And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think anything of this. So I get in the car, and while we're in the car, he's driving me from the airport to his apartment, obviously. And I'm sure you've all been in an Uber before, but the conversation mimicked the conversation that you would have in an Uber. And when I am, when I mean that, I mean you and the Uber driver. I don't mean you and one of your friends in the back seat of an Uber. I mean you talking to the Uber driver. Very sterile conversation. And conversation like that kind of continued through my stay there. And it wasn't like he was acting like my boyfriend. He was acting like a stranger that I met for the first time. And so being that Emma was from Atlanta, I texted her while I was at his apartment and was like, hey, I'm obviously at, we'll call this guy Josh, we're at Josh's apartment, and I, I don't think I can stay here. I'm, this is so uncomfortable for me, I need to leave. And she's like, okay, like, let's get brunch tomorrow, and we'll kind of hash things out, maybe things will change by the morning. And so we wake up, we go to brunch, very awkward during the day and I meet up with Emma and I'm like no dude it is weird I've got to get out of here and she's like okay just tell him that you can't stay you need to stay at my house whatever and so my boyfriend and I go to a dinner reservation that he set for us later in the day after that brunch and on our way to the dinner reservation I'm kind of scoping out what's going on in the scenario and basically in summary he tells me that he doesn't want to have a long distance girlfriend which is very funny because he had just asked me two weeks prior to be his girlfriend while he was visiting me in Boston and I whatever we don't need to get into that assessment so I was like 
okay, well, that's really weird. You probably should have told me that before I came down here. And it just got very uncomfortable very fast. And so I texted Emma and I was like, I need you to come pick me up. And without a blink of an eye, Emma is at his apartment, there to pick me up, saves the day, lets me stay at her apartment, has her boyfriend take me to the airport the next day. And that was it. There are not too many people that I know that I could just reach out to and let me or save me from a scenario like that, let alone treat me with such hospitality because while I was at her house she brought out a mattress and she took us to go get Chinese food and she had her boyfriend make us breakfast in the morning the next morning like such a good friend that she didn't let me experience that alone she comforted me in the way that I needed and maybe like it was just and it wasn't like I owed her anything it's she and it's not like I should owe her anything but I've been in friendships where that is the case scenario where it feels like someone extends their hand to you and then once you accept it they put their other hand out in terms of being repaid and I've never once felt like that with Emma Kenzie or Savina nor did I ever feel that way with the Fab Five so I'm very fortunate with the friendships that I've had and I say that it's difficult, and although I've had these great relationships, I've still had ones that are not great. I've still had ones that are not serving to me. And I think that because I've had these amazing relationships or amazing friendships with the Fab Five, with the girls from college, Emma, Kenzie, and Savina, it has made it so much easier for me to decide how a person fits into my life and how I should be friends with them. Friendships, you get to choose, okay? You get to choose whether you're a part of them or not. You get to choose how often you're a part of them. It's really just, you get to do whatever you want. And so when you have people that are actively choosing you and they are actively being there for you. There have also been people in my life that I'm friends with that I know wouldn't do things that Emma, Kenzie, and Savina would do. And that's fine because I don't really expect them to. And you might be wondering, okay, well, why are you friends with them if you don't expect them to? Because you have to know what you want from a relationship, whether it's a friendship, a soulmate, or whether it's a friendship a romantic relationship, or a family member. Going in with intentionality of what you want from the relationship, what you're looking for from the relationship, is going to help set the standard or set the right tone for how that relationship is going to go. Not every friendship that you have is going to be a best friendship. And I think that that's a really important to realize not every friendship is going to be an Emma Kenzie or Savina for you and that's fine I don't not all of my friendships are Emma Kenzie and Savina's to me some of my friendships are out of convenience and I don't expect the same things from them as I do from Emma Kenzie and Savina and that's fine and everybody has relationships that are like that 
The other part of friendships that I want to point out is some of the toxic friendships that we feel exposed to and how to get out of those toxic friendships. Because I can speak very easily to how to get out of a toxic relation or how to get out of a toxic friendship. You just leave. Okay. But I have had a few toxic friendships that I immediately just abandoned as soon as I realized that they were toxic. Every time I refer to somebody that is a negative presence, I'm going to call them a Lucy. And so in this instance, I'm going to tell a story about how a Lucy that I was friends with in college exposed herself to me as being a toxic friend and how I got out of that relationship or out of that friendship or immediately hit the eject button on that relationship to bounce myself out of that friendship as fast as possible. So Lucy and I went to college together. We were very close and we became friends almost instantly when meeting each other. And we had surface level a lot in common we were both blonde hair blue eyes we looked kind of like we were in the same sorority and people would always say that we were a dynamic duo ironically enough twin flames or that was kind of our appearance level how we were similar outside of that we were not too similar aside for the fact that we were both considered to be party girls so she was having a birthday party and She never sent me an invitation to her birthday party, okay? So after the birthday party had passed, I didn't even know that the birthday party had happened because my grandmother had died and I was not in a good headspace and I just didn't know that the birthday party was happening until it was happening. And so I didn't really think too much of it and she immediately blew up on me, telling me that I was a bad friend, that I had no respect for her, that I didn't care about her, and all of the negative things. And as soon as that happened, I realized that this was not something that Emma Kenzie Savina or the Fab Five would do. If that was the scenario, that would have never happened. And so I frequently compare my friendships that I think are toxic to those angelic relationships of the Fab Five and of Emma Kenzie and Savino, which I should probably give them a cool or give us a cool girl group name, but I don't currently have one. I value their friendship and I value their opinion. What would they have said that they would have done? And they all pretty much backed me up and said, oh yeah, like if that would have happened, I would have like asked if you were coming, I would have done X, Y, and Z differently. But that was not the response that I got. And so immediately from that situation, I apologized, let her know that I was sorry, and then broke off communication completely. We went from being best friends to having zero communication. And I feel like that's pretty typical with toxic relationships. There's some instances where you're not able to break it off as quickly. And I think a lot of those relationships or a lot of those friendships are when it becomes oriented around your structure of how frequently you actually see that individual or how you're connected to that individual. So for me, another relationship that I had a negative experience with was my relationship with my mom, which 
that is a difficult relationship for me to even begin to broach because it is so deep in nature. But in summary, had a negative relationship with my mother because our parent, my parents got divorced and she kind of just left our family without much of an explanation. And I had a lot of resentment towards my mom from middle school when she left till just a few months ago as a 24-year-old girl. So carrying around all of that baggage made me realize that I was the only one that was negatively being impacted by it. And I was the only one that truly felt burdened by this resentment that I was carrying around, around this hate. And so in that situation where you have a relationship with somebody, in this instance, it's my mom. I had a relationship with my mom that isn't going anywhere. No matter what I do, my mother is still going to be my mother. And I don't need to necessarily talk with my mother, but life would be sure a hell of a lot easier if I did have a relationship with my mother and if it was positive. And so I decided it was time that the jig was up. We were either going to cut it all off, which I knew that that was not something that was in the cards. We couldn't Lucy this situation. We couldn't just immediately decide that a person is toxic for us and that they need to go. So with my mother, I had to take this situation in a different direction. I knew that if I wanted to salvage this relationship, I needed to do something in order to resolve it. And with all of this resentment, it's really easy to look at somebody else and judge them through your own eyes. But an important thing to do, especially if you're in a relationship or friendship with somebody that you intend to have in your life for a long period of time, I recommend viewing a situation through their eyes or through their lens instead of you judging them or you looking at their life how you would have done it because you're not them and clearly what they've done or what they haven't done is not what you would have done okay so that aside now let's take a look and see why we think that individual would have done what they would have done and even if that's not something that you can necessarily suss out you have no idea why this individual did what they did you don't need to know this person is their own main character. They are not fulfilling all of your side quests, which I think that that was a big mental block for me, being that my mother was that, a mother. With that title, that was all she ever could be to me. She could never be her own main character because she was always supposed to be doing something that was serving to me. And when I put into perspective that... She is not just a mother. She is her own person. She has her own life duties. She has her own fulfilling prophecy. Funny enough, life is not always about me. It is funny that is a realization that I recently had as a 24-year-old. But seriously, once you view 
life differently from this person that you want to keep in your life, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a family member, you want to keep this individual in your life. You have to view life through their lens or at least try to understand that their life is their life. It is not you getting to experience their life. You have to step outside of yourself and consider that they're doing what they think is best for them. And the same voices that you have inside of your head, guiding your intuition and guiding your values, they have in their own head. So let that sit with you while you're thinking of how you want to unburden yourself with resentment that you may have towards somebody that you have a negative relationship with currently. So once I came to a realization that when my mom got married, she was 25 years old. She had a kid at 25 years old. I am 24. I could not imagine what it was like to be 25 and married. I cannot imagine what it was like to be 25 and a mother. Yes, those are choices that she made, but maybe she didn't make them in the best mindset and maybe... I don't know. I can't, you can't put yourself into somebody else's shoes. You can try and see, you can acknowledge that they have a different view on the world. And I think that is helpful and unburdening yourself in resentment. But you can't imagine what it's like to be somebody else. You can try and see life in their perspective. But outside of that, I can't pretend that I knew that what it was going to be like to be 25. I can't pretend to know what it was like to be 25 married with a kid. It was just something I could not fathom. So how can I fathom understanding what it was like to get a divorce? How can I fathom deciding what it was like to leave your kids? Okay? You can't. You it's you, you just can't. So once you come to those realizations, once you realize that People experience life. They choose what's best for them. They truly do. The voices that you have inside of your head, they have inside of their head. And they're just trying to do what's serving to them. And so once you realize that, you can unpack that resentment. You can unpack that negative energy. You can move forward in this relationship that you currently have negative energy around in advance. And that's if you decide to. You can still decide after you choose to view this relationship and all that it's worth and say, this is still not serving to me. I don't understand why this happened. I'm trying to take care of this in a healthy way. We can't communicate about this in a healthy way. This isn't for me. And walk away from it. That's how I recommend dealing with negative relationships. Friendships are a lot easier to navigate, obviously, than relationships that you want to have for longer term. Not to say that friendships aren't long term, but if you have a best friend and they do something that offends you or hurts you, you have to think about whether or not you want that person in your life after they did whatever they did or didn't do. So... Things to take into consideration. So, with friendships, as soon as you find out that someone's toxic, recommend just 
cutting them off. Unless, again, you do want to pursue a longer-term relationship with this individual, try and view world through their eyes. But know that you will never understand what it's like to be them. You're just trying to empathize with them and understand that not everything is about you. And that's all I have for this week. I hope that you learned something about relationships, either what a healthy one looks like, how to recognize a toxic one, or how to move forward in a negative relationship that you want to have with somebody for a longer term. But thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you all next week. Bye.